Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rage! Sports Rage with Gabe Morency. Rage all you want. Level two, this is Sports Rage. I am Gabriel Moranzi, the pitch, the players, the hustlers, the people, the buzz, and everybody else in between. Kicking it, Series XM Channel 159. We'll get our boy Matthias' thoughts on the UFC. Violent card, that's what we talked about. We'll get into it after, but when people said, oh, I'm surprised they're not bigger stars. They don't need bigger stars. Like, what did, what did I say last week about this, guys? Uh, I said, why they put these guys on? They know, right? They know. Whatever happens, they're going to show up, and it's going to be violent. Right? Like, and it's like, yeah, like, this whole thing, another thing with stars. Stars aren't always entertaining, guys. There's a reason why they're stars. Like, they don't want to get hit, right? They don't want to lose. So, like, it's sort of that, oh, I'm just going to win, and, like, I don't want to get hit. I don't want to do this or that. And, and or, well, you got star fighters fighting each other. They neutralize each other. Like, honestly, like, the best fights, for the most part, guys, how many times— in the history, like, if you look back at, like, I like to just randomly punch up a list here. Like, best 10 UFC fights ever, MMA or whatever. All right? Let's say UFC. But, like, I don't know. Because one of the best fights I saw, whatever people ask me the best fight, it wasn't in the, in the UFC. It was in the, um, the uh, WEC. The Korean Zombie and Leonard Garcia. That was one of those, like, oh, my God, like, can you believe what's going on type of fights? That one was damn good. I'm going to ask you, Matthias, like, what's the best you, I mean, like, sort of like those sort of crazy back and forth, like, Rory Rory and Robbie Lawler was one of those bloodbaths, sort of like, oh, my God, type of fights, right? I'm talking like, oh, my God, type of fights. I really like Duhu Choi. And Cub Swanson. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that would say absolutely and agree with me. You know, it's one of the best fights. Swanson's been in a few of those. (laughs) Yeah, the one against Doohoo Choi, the Korean zombie, was nuts because the Korean zombie was coming up. Excuse me, not Korean zombie. Korean Superboy was coming up, and and he was knocking everybody out. You know, he had, had like, thunder in his hands. And then he found Cub, and Cub just put a whooping on him. But he just wouldn't go down. And, and, you know, and Superboy would just keep coming at him. And and Korean, you know. But that's my Point right would there. Keep smacking him around too. It was a crazy fight, Gabe. Three rounds. That's my point. Like, they're not stars. You know what I'm saying? They're stars. Oh, you know, absolutely. Korean zombies big, but like Cubs. Well, you know what I mean. But not like you know what's generally known as the best fight in the UFC. The one that launched them right from the Ultimate Fighter. They're not stars. Forrest Griffin and uh, and Bonner. May rest in peace. You know what I mean? Bonner. You know what I mean? But that's my point. Stars aren't going to go crazy like that. Like, stars are too smart. You know what I mean with this? Like, GSP's like, no, no, I'm not going to stand in the middle of the octagon and just, like, trade punches. I'm going to lose if I do that. Like, like, So he's like, no, no, I'm going to take the guy down and make this boring. Right? But so, you know what I mean? When you get star fighters that go against each other, it's rare that it turns into some great fight. Right, because they they're both cautious and they're both worried about each other. You see that in boxing a lot. It's like, nah, man. I'm just like, nothing happens, or they just neutralize each other because they know, well, I got to watch out for this, and he he's watching out for that, and then it just nullifies each other, and it's it's close and boring all the time. So you got to get sort of like that, like we saw. You just sort of got to get guys that you know. All right, they're gonna bang these guys. They don't care about their legacy. They're gonna bang. You know what I'm saying? No, yeah, yeah. I was watching fights with some friends this past weekend, and actually, 
um, they, we were watching the Trevor Peak Chip and Mariscal fight, and somebody actually said after the fight, that's the best fight I've ever seen in my life. And it was a third fight of the day, and it was like a bar fight, I got to admit. It, yeah, exactly. It, it was like, crazy, yeah. but Mariscal was a good fighter. Peak fought like a bar fighter. He just came forward, and it was rock'em, sock'em well, robots, like and the, the put stuff. a whooping on him. It's like the Apex stuff. Like when they went in like during the pandemic, for whatever reason, you asked me about all those pandemic fights, for whatever reason, the one I remember is that Nico Price against whoever it was. Remember that? Because it was insane. They were both bloodied and like, it was just like, oh my God. The late night anger management class, this is Portrait. I am Gable Morenci. The pimps, the players, the hustlers, the people that bust them, and everybody else in between. Um, we were just talking about the UFC on our Sirius XM uh, mini segment while the AM radio affiliates were doing their sports updates. And we'll get back to the card after. Look, we had Neil Magny on the show. Remember on Friday night, I told you guys, Neil Magny's going to win. It's a lock. He's going to win. Every lock has a key, but he's going to win. It was a little closer than I thought it was going to be, to be honest. But um, he did win the fight. <laughs> Sweat bullets. Sweat yeah, bullets. Like, yeah, I'm not going to lie. Thank God he woke up. <laughs> it was a little closer than like, I thought it was going to be. Jeez Louise. It was one of those waiting one. after him, like, I don't know what they're thinking, but I'm pretty, I don't know, you know. So, Dominic Cruz will always say every every fight is close. I got to admit, I thought it was 2-1, but Cruz kept saying this fight could go either way. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And knowing the judges, you never know these days. No, man. you don't know. We sweat that one out. We sweat that one out. Out of all the fights, that was the one that was the closest game, I got to say. <laughs> yeah, so so I just want to get – so we had Neil Magny on the show. He won, and we had Josh Emmett on the show, and he clearly did not win, right? So we went – so just for the record, our fighters, uh, the fighters on the show, uh, went uh, went one and one. And I mean, they spoke to Macy Barber, and she won. That was a good dog right there. She was a good underdog pick uh, right there. A lot of big fights coming up. We'll get back to the UFC after. We'll set up the, the, the cards that are coming up. But we've got a bunch of big fights uh, coming up, obviously, because it's July. We also have Big Man on Campus going to hop up and in in a couple of minutes and uh, join us. We'll talk a little bit about the NBA, get his thoughts on the NBA draft, some of these players. Everyone's talking about that picture of Wembenyama hanging out with all the Spurs legends. And they're talking about, oh, my God, look how small he makes everybody look. That's all that caught my eye. I'm like, damn. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Night Anger Management Class. This is Fortridge. I am Gable Moretti, Series XM Channel 159 of the Sports Grid Radio Network. Shout out to all of our AM radio affiliates, wherever you may be kicking it with us this evening. Let's send it to Philadelphia. Not Rob Vino, as Rob Vino normally joins us every Friday night uh, from Philadelphia, PA, but big man on campus steps up and in. Big man, it's always a pleasure. Thanks a lot for taking the time to be with us tonight. How you doing, big man? Doing well, Gabe. Always good to talk to you. How's everything? So this weekend just uh, flew by. It's countdown to kickoff. 
uh, right now. The college football campaign is right around the corner. NFL football around the corner. We've got the NBA Summer League. You and I are fans of the TBT basketball uh, tournament. But, of course, it was the NBA draft. You and I spoke uh, before uh, the draft. And um, so now the dust is settled. And everybody's given the winners and the losers and all that. And I've always told people, man, that you've got to wait a couple of years, right? If everybody was such a genius, Jokic wouldn't have went 41st during a Taco Bell commercial, right? So most of these players won't be good in the NBA, and you have to sort of accept that. Uh, but a few of them will be really good, and it's probably going to be the ones that we didn't expect to be really good, big man. That's the way it usually works out. Yeah, that is usually how it works out. I think we could probably both say, I mean, I think Webin Yama's going to be pretty good. Um, then again, I mean, a lot of hype around the kid. Um, you know, it's funny. I saw there was a video somebody posted of him just breaking every jump shot he shot at. I think it was some open practice or something. But, you know, all in all, you're right. Um, I think there were teams that had some great drafts, teams that definitely, I think, made themselves better. But, yeah, I thought overall this was a – just a draft that was different. It, it didn't seem like it had a lot of juice behind it. Uh, and I don't know if that was the coverage of it or what, but um, I noticed that the good teams seemed to get better. And I thought some teams did a good job. And I'm sure we'll talk about one or two of them. I think Wembenyama is a slam dunk. I think the kid's the real deal. My deal with Wembenyama isn't so much him. It's that the Spurs are terrible, right? Like they're really bad. So people are going to expect like them to be good or something, and teams are just going to be able to double and triple team this kid and throw things at him that he hasn't seen uh, before. As far as his shooting, you know, he's like a 28% shooter from three. He is 7-4, right? So I think he'll, he'll get better at that as well. But he's, yeah, he's just that can't miss, super freak, you know, just an unbelievable and a good kid too, right? Like he's not – he he knows how to handle this hype, and he's been handling uh, the hype already. Then we get into Brandon Miller. Um, Brandon Miller out of Alabama. You and I talked about him. Listen, he's a good player. I don't know if he's, like, second overall in the draft. Good. Like, put it this way. If Victor Wembanyama wasn't there, would Brandon Miller be like, oh, my God, you got to take Brandon Miller with the first pick? I don't think so. I think Charlotte took Brandon Miller solely because they didn't want Scoot Henderson with LaMelo Ball. Yeah, they left a better player on the table, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think when you, when you draft, I, I kind of said to you when we talked previously to the draft, I, I kind of mentioned that, like, when you're in the NBA, it's not so much about, like, positions anymore. You can take the same player and they can kind of figure it out, right? And I felt like— Yeah, look me, at Curry and Clay Thompson. Imagine right. if the Warriors said, well, you know, they're both three-point shooters. Let's not put them together. Well, it worked out putting them together. <laughs> but it seems like the Hornets just did that thing of, like, well, we already have a good guard or two, and we really don't have a great, like, lengthy kind of long player, so we'll just we'll just, uh, we'll just just take him. I thought Henderson was the better player. I would have probably taken him at that spot. But you're right. I think this draft really, I mean, without Webb and Yama, I don't know what you would have had here. I mean, it was a, a draft where you had, you look at the first, let's just say five picks. I mean, three out of the five, four out of the five uh, didn't play college basketball. And, and three of them, um, very few people had actually seen play. So, you know, I think when you're looking at the top 10 as well, I mean, it was just a lot of, you know, guys that you like, you know, not a lot of people watch Taylor Hendricks play basketball. Not a lot of people watch, uh, you know, at times, Jerace Walker play yeah, basketball. Kula Bay. No one knows who the hell Kula, Kula Bay is. He's a, he's a teammate of Wembenyama in France, the kid, right? Nobody saw him either. Absolutely. I, I noticed, though, the one thing about the draft that one of the issues I've had with the Philadelphia 76ers is for, for a long time, they've been a relevant team, right? A playoff team. And to me, a team like the Sixers can benefit in the draft. And you look at a lot of good teams. This is how, with generally limited cap space, not a lot of room for movement. This is how good teams stay good teams and really address like benches and things like that. That's one of the reasons the Miami Heat have become a really great team because they draft well. You look at teams like the Warriors. You look at teams like the Denver Nuggets. Um, look, the Denver Nuggets just won the NBA title. What they do went out and, and, and kind of filled out their bench a little bit, added some more shooting. You look at the Warriors. They do the same thing. Pozemski, to me, was one of my favorite kids coming into this draft, a knockdown shooter. I think fits perfectly with that basketball team. And then you had Trace Jackson Davis, the guy who you can throw in the, the front court a little bit, and I didn't give you something. So, you know, it's those teams that they go out and, and kind of, you know, the Miami Heat, Jaime Hawkins, a guy that I think kind of fits with what they do. So that's the thing about this draft I was looking to see, and, and that's generally what I'm looking to do. You're right, though. The, the, the San Antonio Spurs, you know, the, the teams like that, uh, they're, they're not good, uh, and, and I don't know if Webb and Yama is just going to make them existentially better. 
Big man on campus, uh, Jeff Nadu, kicking it with us. I am Gabriel Morenci, Sirius XM, Channel 159. So we know about Wembenyama. Miller goes second overall. Um, and then you had um, you had three G League guys in a row here with Scoot Henderson and then the Thompson uh, brothers. Okay, you know what? Yeah, I think that, I think that Thompson with the Houston Rockets is a good fit uh, for them. You know, a six six eleven wingspan. You're talking about a guy who can bring a little bit of physicality to their basketball team. They already have like a bunch of skill, so I don't hate that. A lot of people think that the Pistons might have reached for Osser uh, Thompson. Uh, right there. What do you think of Anthony Black uh, out of Arkansas? Pretty interesting because we're hearing there's sort of that buzz that, you know what, they don't really like Jalen Suggs, that they kind of regret the pick. And if you recall, everybody thought at the time, big man, at the Raptors, right? The Raptors needed a guard. It was like, oh, the Raptors are going to take Jalen Suggs for sure. And everybody was shocked that they took Scotty Barnes instead. Turned out to be a pretty good player. You know, know, he's got to improve on his game a little bit after last year. I think he let fame get to his head a bit, but uh, and now you see Suggs was hurt and or clearly this was a parting shot. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if the Magic do end up trading Suggs. There's not room for everybody after they bring in Anthony Black. You don't bring in a kid with a sixth overall pick if you don't think he can play. No, absolutely. And when you look at Anthony Black, I mean, he's from, you know, went to Arkansas, um, just kind of one of them long, lengthy kids that, that Eric Musselman has. And I think you kind of mentioned the Suggs, but I also thought, you know, he's a guy who, can create. He's a good guard. He can make plays. You throw him kind of right in the mix there. With what oh, they where does have. the Lake the Lakers want Suggs? You know, this big man is what the Lakers are doing. Like they're all these Gonzaga guys. Actually, if you think about Hachimura, but the Lakers, like you said, they don't have money, so they sort of scour the the ocean, so to speak. And they're like, oh, that guy's pretty good, man. He's a big time pick that's not being used there. That was the buzz that the Lakers were trying to swoop in maybe and grab Suggs from them, but. It is interesting. And then they took uh, Jet Howard as well, which, you know, listen, I'm a Michigan guy, but I think that could have been a little bit of a reach right there, to be honest. Yeah, I think a lot of people think that. Um, I think they're looking at it and saying, well, you know, he's a guy who can kind of space the floor. Uh, You already have a couple of kids there. Look, I'll just be real with you. I think Anthony Black does a bit high for him. I would have rather went towards like a Bilal Kulabale. I mean, it seems like when you're looking at the magic, it seems like they kind of just take shots with guys and hope it works out. I think if you're going to do that, you might as well do it with Kulabale. You know, I think you're kind of swinging for the fences with him. And, you know, he has the ability to be just one of these. Well, kids Isaac's that- always hurt, right? Right. So you're right. They could have used a bigger, a bigger type. of. They have shooters already. Bancaro's a badass. The Wagners are good. Uh, you know, listen, Orlando aren't far away, big man, actually. They're an improving team. They have a lot of talent, this team. I sort of agree with you, though. I thought the black, I think black is good, but I thought it was a little high for him. And I thought it was a weird fit with Orlando. Like I said, considering they already, they just took Suggs a couple of years ago. I mean, you also look at just like the, the, the Markel Fultz stuff. I mean, they, they had a Alfred Payton there for a while. Like, you know, Gary Harris never hasn't really ever panned out necessarily in the NBA. I mean, Cole Anthony, I guess he's kind of your, your future there. Um, but, you know, in the end, I just don't know if their guard plays very good. Look, this is a tough draft, right? It was hard to find, you know, those elite players. And, and look, I think Orlando would hope to maybe be a little bit higher. You maybe could have went and got a Scoot Henderson but or even an Amen Thompson. But this is where they were in the draft, and they kind of had to accept that. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I thought a team that did a nice job was the Dallas Mavericks. I told you before this uh, draft that I was kind of hoping they would take Derek Lively, which they ended up finding a way to get him. I thought they really had kind of an issue with, with their front court. You know, uh, they had some contracts there that were a little heavy. Either oh, they need to play. get younger, more athletic, and more defensive. You're right. All right, we'll hit this more on the other side. We're up against it here right now. The late night anger match for Cross continues. This is Sports Rage. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. 
Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. The Late Night Anger Man for class. This is Portrait. I am Gabriel Moretz. It's the countdown of the National Hockey League draft. But our boy Big Man on campus in Philadelphia won't be breaking that down. <laughs> no, and we'll let you know what the Flyers do, uh, though. Uh, big man, looking forward to the start of the summer league. You and I were talking about the TBT tournament. The TBT man, they have a lot of teams uh, this year. Looking forward to that. We got the FIBA World Cup in August as well. But we're kicking the tires right now on the uh, on the NBA draft. Big man on campus, of course, watches a ton of college uh, basketball. And big man, as we we're going into the break, you were saying how much you like the uh, Derek Lively to the Mavericks. Yeah, I like that a lot. I thought that really addressed the need for them. We know they have great guard play there. Um, another team I thought hit it out of the park was the Utah Jazz. Uh, I, I I thought Taylor Hendricks was one of the better players no one was talking about in this draft. I watched him a ton at UCF under Johnny Dawkins. I think he has the ability to be very good in the NBA. He's got great size. He's a versatile kid. He can protect the rim. He also can shoot the rock. He's kind of a new age NBA player that we're seeing. I also thought they did some good things later. I mean, they, they took Keontae George, a guard out of Baylor. He can really just score for you, get an upside there. Uh, and and Bryce Sensible, who, who could shoot the basketball as well. This team really, to be fair, struggled last year from three. I mean, they only made about 35% of their threes, uh, which was down over a percent from the year before. Um, you know, they need to get better from the outside. And, and, you know, you look at the team that won the NBA title, you know, the Denver Nuggets. You look at Golden State, how much success they had. You know, Boston, all these teams. You got to be able to shoot the basketball in the NBA. And they, I think, addressed that. So I liked what uh, both Den or uh, Dallas and Utah did. Yeah, it's hard to argue. Listen, Danny Ainge, man, this guy is a guru, right? Yeah, he just is. You know, he's, he's a guru with trades. He knows what he's doing uh, at the draft. He knows how to judge talent. I think it won't be for long until you listen. Utah were supposed to tank last year. They wanted to tank for Wembenyama. They tried to, and they were still good, big man, early in the season, right? They were in. The, it's one of those. Listen, we don't want to be good, but we are. And then they, you know, he started on low players again. It was funny he's trying to see him do it over and over again. But they're just stockpiling talent. That's what he did. Don't forget, he built that Boston Celtic team that we see uh, right now. All right, we got to talk about my Toronto Raptors, uh, big man. So Grady Dick, um, you know, sort of sold it. There were the cut. There were, you know, there were three things that stole the NBA draft, big man. Victor Wembanyama. Victor Wembanyama's sister, <laughs> and, <laughs> and then and then Grady Dick's jacket. All right, and I knew as soon as the sister shot, especially with the top, right, with the the jacket like split open in the middle, I was like, yeah, the internet's about to break in about five, four, three, two, one. Uh, for the record, she's a basketball player too. Um, and then Grady Dick rolls out with the jacket and stuff. But one thing with Grady Dick is he's more than just a shooter. He can take it to the rack. Um, he hit like 54% of his threes off the dribble, which is impressive, which you have to be able to do in the NBA. And I find it amusing that the the Raptors go with Grady Dick. And I thought that they had one of the free agent steals with Marquise Noel um, being undrafted out of Kansas State and a dynamic player. You know, big man, the Raptors sort of became a little bit and they have their roster. You know, they got a bunch of the same dudes. OG, Siakam, Barnes, all right. You got a bunch of really good six foot seven, six eight type of dudes, the long rangey type of guys. Not a lot of good shooters, right? None of those guys can really shoot that well. Grady Dick can shoot. I think that Noel, we'll see if he makes the team, but I'm sure that he will. Just brings a little bit of a flash off the bench. You know what I mean? A little creativity. They were just boring, bro, under Nurse. We'll see what Nurse does, but Nurse's offense was stale, big man, right? With the Raptors. 
no creativity, no movement. They bring in the Serbian coach right now. You bring in Grady Dick. You get Noel. Just, you know, you didn't even draft him just as a free agent. I like what the Raptors did, just sort of bringing in some fun players, some athletic players. Yeah, you know, Grady Dick's a guy who, you know, like you said, he is not going to be one of these, like, incredible athlete type of kid. Look, I think he's Gordon Hayward. That's probably your, your, your kind of comp to him. You know, I, I think you could almost hope for that if, if you're a Raptor fan. You addressed it. I mean, this was sort of the worst shooting teams in the NBA last year. The only teams worse was Charlotte and Houston, uh, two of the worst teams in the NBA, or one of the, one of the worst teams in Houston. So you got to get better from the outside. I think that's kind of what you're hoping there. They have the talent there, and we all know that. You know, you know, you have Van Vliet, you have Ananobi, you have Scotty Barnes, you have Siakam. You know, they needed one of these kids that can come in and shoot the best basketball um he's never going to be you know particularly fast or anything he's not an elite athlete or anything but i think he's a guy that can can hit shots for you give you you know kevin herter type out output i, I think that's kind of also another good comp to him so yeah if I, he I think scored a- if he scores like hey anything over 16 would be great bro like and his rookie year i'm talking here like if he can give the raptors even 14 as you stated, I think, you know, I sort of view him as an 18-point-a-game type of guy, you know what I mean, in his career. Gordon Hayward's had a nice career, right? I mean, it's yeah. it's always – I hate always comparing. Everybody does it, but we're all guilty of it, right, where we compare white guys to other white guys. Like I saw the uh, the comparison, too, with Grady Dick. Someone was like, well, he's Kyle Korver. <laughs> like, like, well, he could be someone else. doesn't have to be a white guy. But I, I, get I, I, I will say, I, I think um, – I'll be honest. If they get 18 out of him, I think you'd you'd be over the moon at that. I, I think. Well, that's down like, the road. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what he develops into in his career. I mean, like I'm thinking rookie, like 12 type thing. You know what I'm saying? If they were if they were going to bring it out, I, I think they would probably say, look, I mean, if he can come out and give us 12, 15 points a game, that's uh, that's very helpful. I mean, that's a lot of extra offense you can get. You know, a couple of timely three balls that could win you games that you likely lost the year before. Bro, so. Scotty Barnes won the rookie of the year, scoring 14 points a game. You're right. So that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, yeah I don't, I don't think he's gonna drop. Like, you know, I don't think he's gonna take the offense over. But it'd be interesting to see. I don't know. I would expect their offense to be much faster and more aggressive too. So the numbers just could go up for everybody on the Raptors because Nurse really did slow things down. And like I said, Noel's a fun player. Um, he's reckless. He makes bad decisions, but he can also put the ball in the basket, and he can be a spark off the bench type of player. Him. Yeah, I I, I agree. I, I think you know when you're a team like ter- the Toronto Raptors, I think you just have to kind of find those little holes in your roster and try to you know alleviate them and 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 pick that way. But yeah, I, I think the you know also getting a new coach will help. You mentioned the the boringness of this offense. I mean, doesn't bode well for the team that he went to because that's been kind of an argument here as well. So, um, yeah, I, I think Grady Dick will be a fine little NBA player. Um, and, I, yeah, I do find it funny that whenever you find a white player, you always equate him to another white player. But, um, you know, I guess it's just how it goes. It, just, it is what it is. Yeah, that's not without it is. It is what it is. You mentioned Keontae George. A lot of people thought the Raptors might take Keontae George, actually. I was one of them that potentially thought that they could. But you know a player that I like, and I always find it fascinating – the end, I get it. You're drafting players for what they're going to do, not what they did. Right. But certain kids have like, a, you know, certain kids just have that it factor. You know, they're winners. You know, they have good basketball like you. And to me, that's Jordan Hawkins. And I love what they, the Pelicans did. You want to talk about a team with talent, big man, right? If Zion Williamson could get, just get out of like porn stars bedrooms and into like into a gym and actually get in a little bit of shape, bro. Right. Like he's missing out. Like, honestly, like, he's because the Pelicans are damn good without him. Like, honestly, the Pelicans are developing, and they moved on without Zion. You know, there was the talk. People, a lot of people thought, oh, maybe they'll trade him. They don't really want to do that. But if Zion could just get his act together, because we know when Zion's on the floor, bro, he is a good dynamic player. Like, he, the guy is. I mean, you can't stop those alley-oops. He just is. He's instant points. But I like Hawkins just being thrown in here along with McCollum. You bring in a winner, a kid that can hit. He's also a very good three-point shooter, actually, Hawkins, and a good outside shooter. I'm a big fan of Jordan Hawkins, and I think he landed in a great spot with the Pelicans. Yeah, they're another team that's kind of right on the, the cusp of, of being really talented, right? I mean, and look, the NBA, you can quickly They're like become... the Grizzlies, big man, without the bad yeah. negative drama. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they're absolutely. like the Grizz, but without the garbage uh, attached to it. But Zion's little... Zion, whatever. All right, you sleep on Ryan Mills. Nobody cares. But, bro, get in shape. Get on the damn court, bro. Let's go. You know well, what I'm saying? 
I, I always relate this whenever I talk to you. I always relate it back to Kawhi Leonard. I mean, Kawhi Leonard was a kid when he came into the NBA for San Diego State. was a good player. It was a mid, you know, almost end lottery pick. I think he was 15th or 16th. But he was a guy that went in the gym and just got better. He loved basketball. Yeah, yeah. He and became better. You have to have that. And, and Zion, look, you also have the other side with like a Ben Simmons who just will not. Um, you know, <laughs> so I think, you know. Ben's you know, all ripped now. You see that picture of Ben? He's all ripped now. Yeah, but anyways, yeah, go on. Yeah, but either way, I, I think Jordan Hawkins is a great pick. I mean, a lot of people relate him and, you know, we'll relate him to a white player, J.J. Redick. I think that's the kind of kid Yeah, he good is. comparison. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a perfect piece to put into that kind of little added talent group they have right now. I like the Pelicans. I'm pretty high on them long term. I think a lot of people are. Yeah, no, no, me too. I'm going to be looking at it. I, I bet on their futures actually this year with their win totals. But I think I think they can make some noise and go deep. I, I said last year I thought there's sort of a changing of the guard coming in the NBA. And as good as Denver are, I'd be surprised if Denver repeat, right? People are going to figure it out. They have a whole year now to really figure out how to game play what, against they, Jokic. They did pretty good in the draft as well. I mean, when you're a team like that, you're, you're picking in the 30s, you know, they put, put in – you know, three really good players, a couple of knockdown shooters. Jalen Pickett's just offense. So, you know, that, that's the kind of team. But you're right. It's hard to repeat. But, yeah, the Pelicans are a team from a future standpoint. Maybe you take a shot. You start looking into deeper ones, and that might be one you have to look at. I was surprised since the ball once so lasted so long. I agree with you. I thought that was a nice steal. Uh, I thought that was a nice steal by, um, a by the Utah Jazz. And as, as you mentioned, too, my boy, I was talking about my boy, Olivier Maxence Prosper. Another strong defensive player, and that's what Dallas needed, right? That's the whole thing, man. They're missing those role guys. That's what Denver had that won this year. Yep. You can't just win with Kyrie and Luka. You see, it doesn't work. You need guys who are going to die for loose balls. Guys are going to man up. Guys are going to play defense, right? And I like what you mentioned, Lively, you know, some rim protection. Kid like Prosper is a street ball type of player, big man. He's going to you know, he's gonna man up and guard anyone you tell him to guard, and, and he'll make life difficult, sort of that Lou Dort uh, mentality, but time has just flown by, big man. Great uh, to have you back talking some basketball. We'll do it again. It's always a pleasure, my man. And where can people find you online and check out uh, your sit-down podcast? Yeah, instead of uh, promoting myself, uh, Gabe, you know who I'm looking forward to? Only a couple years away until Bryce Maximus James, the actual good uh, uh, LeBron James son. <laughs> he, he is going to be the uh, – I continue to uh, love watching his tape. I mean, he is the truth. So uh, he's the next great prospect out after his brother. There it is, big man on campus. Good stuff, big man. All right, buddy. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. You want some of this, don't you? Yeah! Well, you need to know the winner, and I know the winner. So call me now. Whoa! $5 for the first minute, $2 for each additional minute. You have reached the... Coaches, hot line, line, yeah, lay it on me, coach. In the game of my MMA mm-hmm. versus Sin, Cincinnati, Sin, Cincinnati, Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Hey. Come on, come on! Don't you realize this is costing me money
Yeah, he does, Homer. This is Sports Rage. I am Gabriel Moranzi. Sirius XM Channel 159 of the Sports Grid Radio Networks. Let's do this thing. Thanks to Big Man on campus for kicking us. We got Ian Cameron, A.K. Babano, joining us in level three, three, three. All right. Um, so a lot of stuff I want to get to. We haven't talked much baseball uh, yet uh, tonight. And uh, Sunday nights, we like to sort of recap, set the stage for the week that's coming up and get you caught up to date uh, with the updated uh, divisional odds and everything else in between. Maybe a little market watch as well. But let's start off with the College Baseball World Series. Light night, Major League Baseball on uh, Monday night. Just six games and um, less than attractive as far as the card is concerned. I've got to tell you. Although, the, listen, the Reds and the Orioles is an interesting matchup of upstart teams. It's interesting. It's like throwback. Both these teams were good in the 70s and going into the 80s. Um, you know, basically the 70s, though. The Reds into the mid-70s, late 70s, and then uh, Orioles late 70s. Same same era type of deal. And they're both good again now. Um, so we got the Reds and the Orioles tomorrow. The Brewers and the Mets. Twins, Braves, Tigers, Rangers, White Sox, Angels, Nationals, Mariners. So tomorrow night, the coolest baseball game on the board besides the the uh, Reds and the Orioles will be the College Baseball World Series championship game. The College World Series is on the line. Um, we're going three. FanDuel has posted a number. The LSU Tigers are minus 148 favorites. The Florida Gators are plus 116. The total is eight and a half right now. Run line. Uh, the Bayou. The Bayou crew. Minus one and a half is uh, plus 122. Florida Gators, plus one and a half, is minus 160. We've had some success in this College Baseball World Series betting on unders because they set these totals so high. Fortunately, we did not bet the under. Uh, In today's uh, game, 24-4, final score, the Florida Gators win 24-4. The thing with college baseball, it's a lot like um, playing Little League baseball. Anybody that played baseball, like so many of us did. Right, when you're playing in tournaments and this and that and stuff, and this is on a bigger scale, uh, but when you're playing in tournaments and, you know, it's like, man, we need our best pitcher, but we're not going to have him when we get to the championship, but if we don't use him now, we're not going to get to the championship. And LSU have sort of found themselves in this situation a little bit here in which they're pitching phenom, and this guy is unbelievable. Listen, he could be the top pick in the draft. He could be the the second pick in the draft. Some people think that most people actually, it's almost a consensus actually, that it's going to be like, um, it's going to be one, two uh, players taken from Louisiana State. But we talked about this kid last week. And we talked about all the pitches uh, that he's thrown. And can he pitch tomorrow in the championship game is the question. I don't think, personally, listen, I don't think he's going to start. Nothing's been made official yet, so we talked about the number at eight and a half. Nothing's been made official yet. LSU's manager um, said, uh, you know, Jay Johnson said that um, there is a, a process that they have to go through before they can determine the availability of Paul Skeens and their other pitchers tomorrow for tomorrow's game. Now, to set the stage, this guy's unbelievable, all right? Like, uh, he tops triple digits. He, he throws, like, 101 type of thing. He's got, like, crazy movement. He's got an unhittable slider. Like I said, he's one of the biggest, like, I don't know, I guess to me, I guess I would think since Strasburg. And Strasburg's been injured most of his career, right? Like, as far as some, like, college phenom pitcher. And coming into the year, he wasn't supposed to be. Like, he was good, but he climbed the, you know I mean? He just had a dominant season, and people are like, the guy's unbelievable. But since June 17th, he's thrown 243 pitches. All right? And he topped 120 twice, reaching at least 120 in winning outings against Tennessee and Wake Forest that helped LSU get this far. He pitched on June 22nd, and he threw 120 pitches in eight innings. 
I just don't see how like they're gonna you know there's there's this quick of a turnaround on four days rest to pop around and he you know my guess is he pitches and listen you know the kid wants to pitch but he's in a tough spot this this is a unique this is an interesting situation here in which you know you're a pitcher man and he's about to make a lot of money. He's about to make a lot of money and be maybe the top pick. He's either the top pick or the second pick in the draft. No Major League Baseball pitcher has thrown 120 pitches this year. Yeah, you're asking this kid to come back and do it again and again and again. And, oh, yeah, he's a top prospect. So if he's doing this, he's doing this because he's doing it for his teammates and he wants to win. And you know the kid's a competitor. There's a national championship on the line. To put in context, he's thrown 243 pitches, uh, 200, uh, 243 pitches in a 9-day span. That's like um, that's a lot. Oh, that's a lot of violence on, on an arm for a kid that has a lot of money at stake as well. So it's a fine line, isn't it? How do they balance this? Right? How does he balance this? And my assumption is, listen, LSU aren't going to tell you, right? They want to keep Florida off guard. If I'm Florida, I'm just assuming that he's going to pitch probably from like the fifth, sixth on type thing. Remember with the World Baseball Classic? It was, that's a good comparison. Remember the World Baseball Classic with Otani? They sort of set it up, and it's we all thought, man, Otani's probably going to start here, right? They set it up this way, but... He pitched on like the, I don't know, like four or five days before the championship game was a similar situation. And then they basically, at the last second, right, remember the morning of the game or overnight, whatever, they'd said, you know what? We're not going to start him. We're going to start the kid that they've never seen before, right? I thought it was actually kind of a, it was a slick decision, but the thought was, you know, um, then they'll bring Darvish in, and they're gonna bring they're gonna bring Otani in, and and it'll be Darvish and Otani, and they switched it all up, and basically they did, they had Otani close the game. So I'm I'm imagining that the, that Johnson will go through the same type type of process, where it'll be like, all right, listen, could we get three innings, four or five innings, three innings out of our guys here, and then we can bring Skeens in, and then see what he can give us. So that's, I would imagine, that that's how it's going to play out. But this is going to be a big-time game tomorrow night. National Championship on the line, 7 o'clock Eastern. We'll be breaking it down on game-time decisions uh, in a big way, obviously. I wouldn't dismiss the Florida Gators. Like I said, I might, we'll see if I'm right or wrong. But my my opinion is, my own personal feeling is, he won't start. He won't start, but he'll pitch, right? As I stated, like, well, you're better off, like, trying to get through the first few innings than saying, you know what, we'll bring him in and we'll have him shut him down for, for five innings or whatever, and then we'll take him out of the game. And what if it's like a, you know, it's a 1-1 game or it's scoreless, and then it was kind of pointless to start him because we're taking him out and we don't have an edge now anyways, and we already used our best guy. So I would imagine they'll start the game and um, they'll try to go as far as they can, you know what I mean, get into the fourth, you know what I mean. Get, if they can get through three innings, four innings, they can roll him out for like four or five type thing. Like I said, like he can blast through these, right? I mean, the guy's a phenom. He strikes people out fast and stuff. You know he's going to pitch. I just don't think he's going to start. And like I said, the total right now is uh, is eight and a half. It's plus money to the under. Well, at least I should say it. You know what I mean? It was plus. It's plus one hundred. That's like minus one thirty to the over, but I would not overreact to the fact that the Florida Gators put twenty four up. LSU obviously didn't care at that point, right? They're like, oh, we're getting murdered here, so let's save our good arms here now. It's a real challenge, man. Like these guys are rolling out day by day here, and they they're going through the 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 regionals to get this far. The only thing I would say, and I'm listen, LSU are a powerhouse, and Jay Johnson's a legend. 
and I'm not a college baseball expert. I've been betting on it, but um, so I don't know the ins and outs of this and that. And you know, but I would just state how why did you let him pitch that much? This came up. We talked about this with Brent Beard. Okay, we we talked we talked football with Brent Beard. We talked about this with Brent Beard on the show on on. We talked football. We talked that. See, we talked baseball. We talked about it. And he goes, I don't know. They kind of wore this day. You know what I mean? And we talked about it on Game Time Decisions with Sherapan as well. They used him a lot. So now here they are. And now, you know, if you just would have eased up a little bit, maybe, you know, you, but maybe they wouldn't have made it this far without him. It's one of those damned if you do, damned if you don't type of deals. I, I'm just really looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to this game tomorrow night. College Baseball World Series been lit. The intensity's been off the hook. I said this before, and understandably so. I understand, like, people, like, the modern gambling and sports betting being everywhere 24-7 and stuff. There are annoying aspects to it. I don't mind the ads on TV and stuff. That's what bothers a lot of people. It was sort of like when DFS was on all the time. I understand that's what keeps TV networks in business. But for me, it changes, like, you know, sports fan, a lot of fans, they don't really care about the, the they don't really care about their bets. I've always cared about my bets, but I've also always been a sports fan. Like, I've noticed the modern sport fan isn't a sport fan. The modern sport viewer is just a better. Right, everything is just a prop to them. Everything is like they don't care about the storyline. They don't care about the athlete. They don't care. They don't care about anything. They just care about their bet and betting. But to me, like um, I will say, that betting can be a positive in a, in a sense that people didn't really I'm not going to say people didn't care about the college baseball world series but it wasn't as big as it is now I don't think anyone could argue that and well why is that you know what I mean why is that <laughs> why is it that suddenly oh college baseball is suddenly lit there's always been good players in college baseball college baseball's always been fun right like so what's the big difference now yeah, the big difference is you can bet on it all the time with every sports book. And it's on TV all the time. Right? If you can bet on it, like I said, and people like the betting on college baseball is exponentially way larger than it ever used to be. And it's still minimal, but it's still bigger than it was. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts.
control. The late night anger management class. This is Sports Rage. I am Gabriel Morenzi, the Pips, the Players, the Hustlers, the people in the bus club, and everybody else in between. I was talking to college uh, baseball World Series. Shout out to our boy Mick Aussie in the chat right now. And uh, Mick joins us on uh, Friday night with the AFL picks. We talked about the Collingwood Magpie in the Adelaide uh, Crows game. And I said, you know what? Let's parlay Collingwood with uh, the Toronto Argonauts. You want to degenerate parlays. <laughs> AFL, CFL. And it won, baby. But we've told people. We were just talking about it. It's funny. We were just talking about the College Baseball World Series and how it's gotten more popular and it is on TV more, but I'm telling you, the popularity of college baseball has grown because people bet on it. And in the older days, you used to be able to bet on the College Baseball World Series, but basically only the College Baseball World Series. You know, and or select lines. They didn't have, like, lines for every game and stuff like that. Now, like, throughout the college baseball, um, throughout the college baseball, Season you can bet on like from the first game like sports books have really up their game because they spend so much money sports books they want like content for people to bet on right so they put mode you know what I mean so it's really really grown but the AFL and and college baseball is really fun but the AFL throw out the betting aspect of it just from a sports like drama perspective it's super cool. Like I said, we've been talking about the league for years. We tell people to watch it. Like, I actually enjoy it. Like, so, you know what I mean? Put it this way. I like it better than golf. Like, I talk golf with these guys on the show and stuff like that. I don't watch. Like, I didn't watch the Travelers this weekend. You know what I mean? I care about the majors a bit. But, like, the AFL, the AFL is insane. It's, like, part football, part rugby, part, like, everything. Part nut job. <laughs> Like, it's a weird sport, but it really is, like, has, like, it's cool. And the games go fast. Bring it. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and... Producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts.